Amen. Welcome, everyone. I, I, it's a peculiar thing as a Christian um, to, to hold lament in one hand and celebration in the other and bring them both before God in praise, right? And this morning we did both, and I just want to say thanks to the Twidos for leading us through that and for Melissa for bringing forward what she um, brought forward to us as we want to engage equity for all people here on earth. But would you um, do that this morning? Would you lift up your voice of praise right now and just give the Lord a hand um, for being all the things, the Jehovah Jireh, the provider of all things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you all, for leading us. Um, well, we have a couple of things uh, this morning that are uh, outside of our ordinary. One is if you walked in, you couldn't help but catch that we have a picnic afterwards. And so if you didn't know that, feel free to join us. Um, thank you for those who helped come early and, and get things set, set up. We have a beautiful day. It was like a prayer standing in the gap trying to ask Jesus, no rain, please, Jesus, no rain. And he did it. So uh, I'm thanking Jesus for that this morning because plan B was not as good as plan A sitting out in the sunshine and hanging out with everyone there. Uh, I think I forgot. My name is Eric D. I'm lead pastor here at Common Ground Northeast. If you're new, we're so glad that you're here. Please fill out a connect card so that we can connect with you. Um, but before we get to the sermon this morning, we have a unique celebration. Um, and so I want to, uh, we, we have, we announced, um, and it's been kind of in the works, but we announced at our family meeting that we have some elders that will be transitioning out of their positions of leadership. And uh, we wanted to stop and just take some time to honor them this morning. And so I want to invite those four elders to go ahead and come on up. Um, I didn't tell you where to stand up here, but it's between these blue tape lines. Don't tell anyone. I got markers up here. No one's supposed to know that. But right up here so that everyone can see you. And I may step off camera here and there. But go ahead and come up here in between these blue um, kind of tape areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Well, over um, the last few years, these four elders um, have walked through more than a typical eldership, I believe, tends to have to walk through. I've had lots of pastors and leaders in church come to me and say they don't know how they could do it. This pandemic has been a wild ride amidst other things that have surfaced during this time in this pandemic. But over this time, um, these four elders have been a part of helping to transition our church into welcoming women into all areas of leadership, including eldership, um, Serena being the first um, in that movement. And uh, yeah, amen. Uh, they have also been a part of walking through pastoral transitions, a significant chunk of that being um, without a pastor. So they were the ones responsible for leading in the midst of this with some of the other elders um, as well. And all of this is being done uh, as, as well as walking through a global pandemic, COVID-19, that all of you are aware of and has affected everyone. And trying to figure out how is the best way to shepherd through the midst of that, keeping people engaged and, and connected during that time um, in the midst of personal lives and work schedules and full-time jobs and part-time jobs and being parents and all of the other responsibilities that go into what makes somebody an elder as a shepherd here at the church. And so we wanted to take some time uh, just to honor them here this morning. Uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of celebrating too, but it's a great day for a picnic. Um, one of the things I did want to make I'm sure that everyone is aware, so I'm trying to kind of be not in anyone's direct way, but also be on screen so people can hear us. Um, but Jenny's going to go ahead and bring up some gifts for us. Um, we do have what we've been in the habit of writing some encouraging letters. Uh, if you feel like God is telling you to say something to them just as a, a word of encouragement, feel free to do so. In fact, on the connection card, a lot of you have already done that, and we've got those as a part of the gift that's being given. But 
But if you didn't have the ability to do that, we actually have baskets at the connecting place right now. So please grab an index card, write a little note if you have something on your own. Just a quick word of something maybe that they've meant for you over the time that they've been here as elders and leaders, and just drop it in the basket with the different names um, there. And I would love to have as many people pour into them uh, as they transition into their their next um, uh, uh, roles uh, here. Um, one of the things I did want to say is some of, some of the um, leaders up here are just transitioning because terms have um, have ran out. In fact, a couple of them stayed on longer. They were supposed to transition out in 2021, but they decided, I'm going to stick around a few more months so that we can see the transition with Ken take place well, um, which was a great gift to us. Um, and then there's also some uh, other, just like, as you could imagine, some some weariness even, and uh, some, some uh, uh, health um, reasons as well. Um, and if you didn't get a chance, you can go back and hear um, each of the elders were able to kind of give a reason for that at the family meeting. So if you haven't caught that go back and check it out. It's just a beautiful night, um, heartfelt, and, and just some of the, um, the testimonies that were given through those words were, were beautiful. So um, with no further ado, uh, Elder Jenny, go ahead and present some wisdom. One of the, one of the things that uh, we'd like to give to each of them is a servant towel. Um, you know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet and wrapped a towel around his waist to do that. And this is a symbol for them to keep in memory of the service that they have given to us here at church. And this one says, blessed beyond measure. I'm going to give this to Serena. It's, it's different from the other three because she was our pioneer um, mm. lady, elder, and... Uh, dealt with a lot of questions. I was one of them when, <laughs> and then I ended up being one, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I want to give this to Serena. And then the other three say, together we make a family. And all of these elders have helped keep this family together. We are a family, part of the larger family of God, but we are a little piece of that family of God. And because of all that they have done, they have helped keep us together during these times. So for each of the guys, um, we'd like to give this. And, you know, um, I hope you don't think these are too girly. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to find something that, you know, wasn't too cutesy. And um, also I want to thank their spouses for hanging in there. When you have someone serve like these guys did, the whole family is served. And we thank the family as well. And that servant towel is also for the family. They are serving We have some unique things for each of them in these little bags. So, oh, this is Charlie's, and Jeremy and Serena. So, thank you all. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. 
Well, uh, before you all go, well, we're going to pray over you, but um, we wanted to celebrate you kind of in a little bit of a unique way, too. Um, we did this before with the outgoing elders, and this is going to feel awkward at first, I'm telling you, but it's a powerful moment just to stop and say thank you and to celebrate. And um, what I want us to do is to clap long and loud, not like golf clap, not cute like golf clap, like, I mean, go ahead and stand up with me, and we are going to just lift up a shout and a clap. And, uh, and, and it's going to be awkward for y'all, but I'm telling you, just sit under the celebration of it and let the Lord bless you through it. So just thank you so much for all that you've done. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I think we got feedback on the guitar even going, so I appreciate it. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to pray for you here real quick, but thank you all so much. I'm not good with the greatest sentimental stuff, but I was able to stop and write some notes, just some things I felt like God wanted me to say to each of you um, in your bags, uh, and so I'll let those speak for themselves. But I would like to pray for you before we sit down. So, Lord, thank you for each and every voice that was represented, that has been represented in our church over this time. We thank you, Father, for, um, for everything that you have done through them and decisions that you have made through them. Father, I pray and thank you for the presence that they have given, the gifts of their own uh, talents and, and, and treasure, but also just the, the spiritual gifts that even we're talking about today that have been provided. And we ask, Father, that you would allow um, them to have a season of rest from the work that they have done here, that you would establish the work of their hands, as your Psalms say, that it would bear much fruit, even greater than they could ever have imagined. I lift this up in Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. And I have one more prayer, one more prayer before you all sit down. Pastor Ken is going to also give a quick prayer over you all in this time. The blessings of the Lord be on you. The word of the Lord, as First Timothy says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Hebrews picks up this same thought. The writer of Hebrews he says, but when you have worked hard and long and tirelessly and given of yourselves, the writer says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help his people. What is true is that years will go by and we may forget. But God will not. So God will not forget what I did. How do I know that? It is the blessings in your future that your work is and has been redemptive. 
God says, nobody pays back like I pay back. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for the elders who are worthy of double honor, according to Timothy, because what is true at Common Ground, and we know it, is that they have served well. Nobody doubts that. Now, God, I pray now that next week and next year and years from now, blessings overtake them. And when they think, where did this come from? And I'm not worthy of this. I pray that somewhere it is resonated in their spirit. But remember, you served me well. God, I pray in abundance. Would everybody reach their hands toward these elders? Would you just decree God bless them indeed? Would you say that, Lord, bless them indeed? Let it overflow. Health, wealth, all that we could ask, but much more, all that you imagine for them. Let it be so, because they have served well. In Jesus' name, the blessings of the Lord be on you. God bless you. Thank you all so much. Would you give them one more round of applause as they head back to their seats? Thank you. Thank you all so much for joining in with us as we celebrate our, um, our exiting elders here today. It's hard to transition from that into just teaching right away. <laughs> so, um, but we'll, we'll move into it and then we'll continue celebrating through the picnic here on the other side. But I just wanted to mention here, um, uh, just a quick little summary. Last week we started a uh, series about the gifts of the Spirit. I explained that we'll be focusing our time mostly uh, deliberately on kind of the more debated gifts and the supernatural gifts because they tend to be the ones that people have confusion around, ask questions about. Um, and that's not to say that there is a hierarchy or anything. If you have the gift of exhortation, encouragement, administration, hospitality, it's not to say that in any way you are a lesser, you have a lesser gift. It's just to say that these are the ones that tend to need more explaining. And so what I want to do is encourage you to do three things as we kick this off. Um, we, we did do this survey here this last week. Um, and I was actually surprised that we leaned more heavily towards the, we're ready for this, let's, let's talk about it, than I had imagined. I thought we'd be more like, I'm not sure, it's a little questionable, I think uh, more caution. It was interesting for me because on the other side of those two questions, um, and I didn't get the, we didn't post them up for you to see the, the results necessarily, but I passed them around to the elders, um, or to the, the pastors here this week as we were prepping for this one. And I was um, uh, surprised, but also excited to see that we lean heavier on the, like, it's time to learn about this. And so thank you. As a congregation, we're excited to be jumping into this. Um, I want you to, uh, in some way, shape, or form, I'm not going to give a recommendation, but you, there's a hundred kind of s spiritual gift surveys that you can take where you fill out a questionnaire and it pumps out kind of, you probably have these, these giftings. So I would encourage you to take one of those, um, but with, uh, with this one caveat, your community knows you better than a survey does. And so use it, collect the data, that's helpful information, but I would ask you maybe to go to a friend, family member, someone who knows you well that knows Jesus and say, hey, which gifts of the Spirit do you think I have? 
And I feel like with that level of information, then start asking Jesus, okay, can you, um, can you reveal to me what my gifts are? And so I want to encourage us all during this next few weeks to explore whatever gift of the Spirit you might have, including but not limited to the ones that we're talking about over these next few weeks. Um, I don't have a recommendation. Just Google it. Find, find a gift survey. Take a couple of them if you want to round them out. Um, and, uh, and then ask community, though. First and foremost, I think that's a better... All of these things can... Um, uh, uh, are helpful f- ways for you to discover more about yourself. I also want to make this mention here. I think that everybody has the ability to do all of the gifts we're talking about. Um, like, so, so let me use a, this one. It'll be harder sometimes for all of us. I think everyone can prophesy. I think some are given a greater measure of that because they have the gift of prophecy. Does that make sense? So no one never does any of these. I think everyone at some point can do all of these. All of us can do it, but the Spirit chooses at time to give like an extra measure, a gift, or, or a level to operate in some of these at different times and for different reasons. And we'll talk about that as the, the weeks unfold. Um, and so, so uh, please, please know that that's kind of part of this as we, that, that assumption is in my head is worth teaching. Um, and then I just want to give a quick little mention that we do have these mini videos that are releasing here throughout the week to give you some, uh, some little, a little bit of context, little bits and pieces of things we haven't been able to teach on here because we just don't have time will happen in that area. Um, now, with what I said earlier about that we are ready to hear more about these, my encouragement to us is to raise our expectations for Sunday morning. Raise our expectations for our house churches. Raise your expectations for what the Holy Spirit could do in your lives on a regular basis. And we'll come back to this a little bit, but I want to kick this off with a little story. I know um, a woman, I, I, I've mentioned on a couple of times, I had the opportunity to take a few, um, they, they use tracks, not semesters, but I went to a school called 10,000 Fathers Worship. Now it's 10,000 Family Uh, Mothers and fathers kind of leading uh, worship and trying to be disciple makers, not just a worship school, but to become disciple makers as uh, they use the gift of of leading worship or the position of leading worship. And one of the leaders, um, it was his wife, Megan, she told me this story as she was teaching us about hearing from God and different gifts of the Spirit. And she said, I was at the airport in Atlanta, and out of nowhere, I felt like God told me this one word. That word was donut. And, and she thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing to just think out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gave her a person in mind. And she felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, go tell this person the word donut. Now, the word donut is pretty, I mean, innocuous, but weird, right? If I were to just walk up to you and be like, donut, that's a weird thing to do. Let alone a stranger in the middle of nowhere at, at the airport. But she feels it so strongly, she decides she's going to go up to this woman and say it. So she walks up to this woman, and she says, donut. I don't know, what, I don't, you don't know me, but I felt the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. It's one word, the word donut. Now, now you've heard stories like this, right? So the woman begins crying immediately. And she said, what does that word mean to you? Well, my mom and I made a deal before we, before either of us, if, if one of us passed away before the other, that if there was an afterlife, the other one would find a way to come back and tell the other that there was an afterlife, and we wanted to make a secret code word that had to be so ridiculous that nobody would just accidentally guess that code word. And the code word was donut. So Megan immediately says, well, I need you to hear me say something, though. Your mom did not tell me this. Jesus told me this. And so think about all of the things that happened in that moment. It's supernatural in that it displayed a level of knowledge that Megan had absolutely no way of knowing other than if the Holy Spirit told her this. 
it was personal to this woman's life. It hit in a dramatically different way than just like, you know, a general encouragement. Like, you know, you could go up and say, you know, hope you're having a great day. I can tell you're a strong person. Be strong, right? Like, that's a general encouragement, and it's true, but it's different when there is a timeliness to it. It told this woman, God hears you. God sees you. God cares about you in particular amidst everything going on in the hustle and bustle of this airport. God cares about you. It was missional in that she was searching spiritually, and God answered her prayer, even though it crossed some theological frameworks to get there. Because she didn't necessarily ask that. out of it's, If you didn't know, it is not biblical that a person who has passed away would come back and speak to us. Now, God can do whatever he wants, but that's not normally how that operates. It's a different framework. But God spoke to her in a concern that she had very personally, supernaturally. And though we don't have the rest of the story, the trajectory is probably that this woman's um, interest was piqued enough to go uh, seek out the Bible, go to a church. If you didn't know this, churches are not hard to find in Atlanta. All right? Now, I think it is possible that some of us in this room have heard stories uh, like this. Maybe even you have had something like this happen to you or someone has said something to you and it was uh, it, it, it shaped positively your spiritual life or it altered the trajectory of your life in some way, shape, or form. It's even possible that you have had something that has come into your own mind that you've thought, maybe I should say this to someone. And you either did it or you didn't do it. You held on to it. Maybe you prayed over it. Maybe you prayed over that person with that thought, word, or idea. And maybe you even pained over it. Do I share this? Is it okay to share? Am I allowed to? What if, what if I say something that's not helpful? This kind of thing is what we're looking at today. That's what we're taking a peek at today. Asking the Lord to pour out on our congregation, if he is willing to, words of knowledge and words of wisdom. The Bible calls it a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge in 1 Corinthians now, I want to read briefly to you because really it's one line and then we're going to jump somewhere else completely to, um, to shore up some of the answers to this. But 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says this. We, we read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6 last week, now into 7. Now to each one of the, man, sorry, now to each one the manifestation of, of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given... Through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. So there's a couple of main words in the Bible. And in the Greek language in particular, and I don't, I don't throw a lot of Greek words or Hebrew words at you, but I felt like it was important to know exactly what is, this is because it's one line, right? So, so there's a couple of words for the word word in the Greek language. One is logos. It's the most common one. It's a Greek word. It has all kinds of meanings, right? It can refer to Jesus as the living word. It can refer to some philosophical Greek things that take place that we don't have time to get into today, but it can also just mean a word, like a phrase or a, a piece of text, right? And so that's one of the main references in the scriptures that God has his written word that we use now today in the canon of scripture, our Bible. Now, as we started today, I wanted to impart, uh, or sorry, to interpret this through God's word, establish that there is an understanding um, that is on its base level this. Everything we do needs to be filtered through this. All right? And I'm going to give some more caveats to that. But everything we do needs to be filtered through the authority of God's scripture in the midst of this. I have a friend named uh, Desi 
Uh, he's a really weird guy. I don't think he'd be offended by me saying that if he were to catch this sermon. Um, but he moves at a level of prophetic engagement that honestly makes me question if he is sane at times. And I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. I sometimes like, I don't know, man. You, this is just weird stuff. But I remember him saying, as I was learning, someone said, hey, you should contact this guy, Desi. He's like, he kind of teaches people about this. So this guy has spent hours on the phone with me um, learning. I went out and visited him once. He's, he, he's um, in a small town in, in Arizona. But I remember one of the first things he said to me was, um, was this. It's important for you to know that I didn't ask for this. It just started happening. I believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Now, he's referring to words of knowledge. He's referring to prophetic things. He's referring to spiritual warfare that he has um, interacted with. I believe in the sufficiency of Scripture wholeheartedly. In fact, if God stopped giving me these words today, there is more than enough for us to do and accomplish in the Scriptures to fill up many lifetimes. But for some reason, he decided to speak to me more directly at times. All right? So, so I want to put that in front of us over and over. The Bible is the foundation. If you hear everything, anything um, that you believe comes from the Holy Spirit and is contrary to what is written in this word, this is the answer. You're wrong. It's, it's, I'm not being rude. It's like, it's just that simple. You're wrong. If it's contrary to what's going on here, then you're wrong. But there's also different ways that we study God's word, right? There's ways to dig into the historical, contextual parts of this. That's kind of the way that you should study it. But there's also devotional ways in which you study that God might speak to you, given something in that moment. And so the word of God, the logos, has a couple of ways in which we can use it. And there's one way in which you do it to get to know the character of God. Because if you didn't realize it, there was, there's a lot going on today. God's not going to speak to you about your car in the scriptures unless you know the character of God and can apply it to cars today because there weren't cars then. You see what I'm saying? So you have to get to know the scripture to apply it to today. There's another word, it's rhema. It's a word um, that is sp it's usually in the context of a spoken word used in Greek philosophy to refer to a sentence but often has a couple definitions. Now, what I want you to see is I did a lot of um, reading on this specifically. There is a charismatic, kind of in the charismatic circles, a definition that usually tends to be this. It is distinctly a word in season, a supernatural word imparted for you today. And then there's another definition that would say rhema and logos are essentially just synonyms. They're interchangeably done. And there are times when rhema is used for a more supernatural kind of season inside of its context. But I'll be honest, as I look through, there's, there's logos and it's kind of the word of God. There's this word rhema. I feel a little bit inconclusive of just saying that rhema always means a supernatural word. So but you hear people say, do you want to receive your rhema word for today? Right? And I don't think that's wrong. It's just not the language that I feel comfortable using because it didn't feel fully conclusive for me. All right? Is everyone good with that? But I want you to hear this more specifically. If you want a rhema or supernatural word from God, you need to become very, 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 very familiar with the word of God so that you do know the character and the person of who we are interacting with. If you believe you're hearing from God, I'll say this again, you have access to this, but you're not reading it. Sometimes God speaks because we don't have access. People have dreams and visions where you can't get the Bible. But if you have access and you're not reading it and you still want to come to me or someone else and say God has something to say to you through me, it's, it's just questionable. Not never. It's just more questionable. All right? Now, the two phrases that are used very specifically here in 1 Corinthians that I read, we'll bring it back into the context that we're reading right now. 1 Corinthians 12 um, it's, it is two phrases, logos, meaning word, sophia, meaning wisdom. 
So the Lagos Sophia, a message, word, or utterance of wisdom, and Lagos Gnosis, all right? So it is word of knowledge, utterance, a, a message. So that word Lagos can be in, uh, translated in all three of those ways. So I want to give you just general definitions to um, start us off. Then I'm going to jump to 1 Corinthians 2 because I think they are connected um, without a doubt. So Lagos is Sophia's this utterance message or word of wisdom, meaning having the capacity to understand and function accordingly. It's wisdom, right? Sometimes that means seasons live, somebody that has wisdom. They've been through enough seasons that they can apply the knowledge in a way more accurately than often others. The Jewish New Testament says this, supernatural wisdom, uh, this, this is the definition of a word of wisdom, supernatural wisdom about how to solve a practical or spiritual problem. The, the, the Faith Life Study Bible says, I'm just giving you a couple of different definitions, that the Greek phrase here, Lagos Sophia, likely alludes to Paul's discussion from 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 2, 16, which is where we'll end up. Nice. Did you bring me one? <laughs> Next time, you can bring, bring me one too. All right. Um, and so what we have is this biblical wisdom that involves discerning what God would have someone do as a result of knowing God. All right? Then there's this gnosis, logos gnosis, an utterance message or word of knowledge. Literally, the Greek means intellectual grasp of something as possessed by God. Knowledge that he has that he gives out to us. Supernatural knowledge relevant to understanding a situation. All right? And so we kind of have these ideas. There's a lot of overlap, and there's a lot of people that have opinions. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? There's all kinds of opinions. I think they're actually kind of getting at the same idea. It's a parallel that's taking place, that this idea of wisdom and knowledge, they interact. They're not exactly the same, but as they happen practically, it will be something, a message or an utterance that's given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know that this isn't actually talking about just not supernatural, but just in general, a wise person. Or just somebody who has a lot of knowledge or intellect and we want to ask them about this. Well, this is why, because again, it's directly referring to something that happens earlier in this text. And here, we're going to read through it. I'll read through it quickly and give a couple of comments. I'm going to draw some very practical, um, some practical ideas of how I do this and apply this gift um, in, my, in my day. And then uh, we'll go ahead and have a picnic together. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 says this, we do, however, this is first, right, right at the beginning of this letter, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Do you see the, that we have the same language here? Among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. All right, pause there. First, the, he establishes that there is an uncommon kind of wisdom available. Right? There, there is an unkind of, uh, a kind of uncommon knowledge from God that can be known by us as humans, right? It's, it, this is the language. It's beyond the rulers of the age. It's what no eye has seen or ear has heard, no human mind has conceived. It is something revealed to us by the Spirit. So it's not just normal knowledge or wisdom. 
Now, to be clear, the example here, and I want to, this is something I wrestled with over and over as I was reading this. It's directly referring to the specific revelation that the Gentiles would be included, grafted into Israel. That's what's being talked about in this. But it also alludes to this idea, and, and keep in mind, that knowledge wasn't new. It was told in the Old Testament. And so it's very, um, w- one lesson we need to learn is that it will also be consistent with what takes place in the Old Testament as well, right? And so it brings itself forward, couched in this broader sense that there is an uncommon knowledge, and we have the ability to tap into that knowledge because it's the Spirit of God who holds us. Now listen to this language in this last part. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by what? You fallen? The Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person with the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. It's hard to comprehend if you don't have the spirit. It cannot comprehend them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Verse 15, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but... We have the mind of who? Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So if we have the mind of Christ and we are bathing ourselves in the word of God over and over and we are attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, then we should be able to step into and out in steps of faith with some level of access and discernment and decisiveness that this comes from the Holy Spirit. And that these things are beyond conventional wisdom, beyond human limits, extending outside of physical timelines that we tend to get caught up in because we are humans. It's a spiritual thing, this pipeline that we get to be connected to. And this is all assumed, and that's kind of what I want you to see. By the time we get to verse or chapter 12, and we're reading this list of gifts, he has already set this foundation, and so it's already assumed this is true. So as we get to this point, we realize that it's a continuation of what's taking place in the second chapter. So this is what I think we need to understand. It's not just common knowledge. It's uncommon. It is spiritual, and it taps us into these spiritual realities, all right? I'm going to put that case to rest. Do you all kind of catch where we're going with that? So the second question is always this. That's great. That's cool. God's perfect. We're not. How do I know how to use this so that I or someone else isn't abusing this, manipulating others with it, or using it in a way that is coercive? And I think that is probably the main crux of the conversation that we have today. And I'm going to give you just a few ideas on that, and then we'll be done for today. I think words of knowledge or wisdom can happen. Sometimes it's simply that you just read the word of God and this verse or scripture happens to hit you the right way. Maybe, maybe you've read this verse over and over, but this time it hits differently because it speaks into a situation that you're going through and it's specific to the moment and the season that you're in because it is what I always call timely for what you're walking through, your circumstances. 
I think that could be a word of knowledge. That could be a wisdom imparted to you. Sometimes it's recalling a scripture or biblical wisdom that you need in a moment to guide you. Maybe you memorized it as a kid, but you forgot it, and then all of a sudden you remember, oh yeah, the, the Lord's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I remember that song as a kid. And it happens to hit you right in a moment when you're like, you're right, and I haven't been in the scriptures in a while. I'm going to go jump into that and see what God might have for me in this moment. So I think both of those are possibilities. It's a supernatural recollection of biblical principles while you're making a decision or about to make a bad one, perhaps. All right? Amen? Sometimes, though, it is a thought word or phrase, even a direction, left, right, north, south, go this way, don't go that way. We see that with Paul. That gets you where you needed to go in order to hear something, in order to meet someone, in order to witness to that person at the exact right moment that they needed to be witnessed to. Often I think hearing a word from God is just us being given information because it supersedes. You've heard the analogy, someone's driving down a road here, someone's driving down a road here. They don't see it, but they're about to meet. And if you're standing on top of the mountain, they can't see each other, but you have a different vantage point. And you can say, hey, 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 slow down. You're going to run into this person. Take it easy, right? And you kind of do this this, uh, vantage point. You have this vantage point to play. And so it's us having direct communication to the one who's on the mountain that sits outside of our circumstances, right? You catch that illustration. Will we step out and into faith by sharing it at times? Because we receive something that we think maybe it's from God, maybe it's not. I'm, I've got some certainty, but I'm not 100% sure that I have full certainty. Uh, well, let me, let me put down some ground rules before I give you kind of how I wrestle with this. The first is just this. No, thus saith the Lord. You don't have the authority of the scriptures or God to say, Jesus is telling me to do this absolutely, without a doubt, do it. You're just not that perfect. So we have some confidence, but we don't have that level of authority to speak into this. I always say, come with an open hand because you could be wrong. This is one of the first things I ask. Whenever I get something in my mind, I start to think, where is this in the Bible already? Is there something similar to it? Does God tend to do or think or act or speak like this? And so I start to ask this question a couple different ways. Is there a likeness to what I've heard? How does that pan out? And maybe is it supposed to pan out similarly? Maybe it was a warning or something we were supposed to be given a heads up on. What does God want me to do with this? Does this seem to align with the way God tends to operate, right? That can only be answered if you're reading the word of God. And so why am I asking it this way? Because the, the exact situation, again, is not necessarily going to be in the scripture. So you have to apply the, the, the character of God to your modern day understanding and circumstances. And so there's a few possible answers. It moves contrary to the scripture. Okay, so that's not from God. It isn't contrary. So you're okay to speak it, but you're not sure if it's uh, uh, how, how sh- you're, not, you're not sure what level of confidence you have to bring to the table. Does it align itself with the character of who God is in the scripture? And you're just like, man, I mean, sometimes I feel more sure than other times. And sometimes I'm just not sure at all. And so this is what I'm going to throw in front of you. It's just this quick little um, X, Y axis. There should be a picture of that up there. All right. So this is kind of, this is, I'm letting you into the mind of Eric Thien right now. This is not the scriptures. This is what kind of tends to go through my mind every time I feel like I've been given something I think is from Jesus. Well, I have this risk and certainty X and Y axis. So if I have a lot, that plus certainty, 
or low certainty, if I have a little risk involved or a lot of risk involved, it all plays out a little bit differently. And so I want to give you a couple of these, how I interact with these different quadrants. Low risk, low certainty at the bottom left hand. I still think it's okay to say it. It's kind of like an encouragement, right? If, you, if God tells you to go up to someone and say, be strong and courageous, that's in the scripture. We're supposed to do that. So you can kind of feel like you might be able to do it. But I do hold it with a lot less um, certainty. And so I say, hey, man, this might be from God. I'm just going to hand it to you, let you pray about it, ask others about it, pray, discern it on your own. It may or may not be from God. And I just kind of hand that off and let it be what it is. If it's up in that top left hand, low risk, but I have a high level of certainty, I got exclamation marks, right? Then say that. Again, it is just like encouragement. It's not that different because there's not a lot at risk if they were to hear this. So I tell someone more certainly, like, like I think God is telling me to say this. Not like, not a might, but I, like, I have a, a little bit more certainty. This is something from God. And so I want you to take this back, pray about it, all of the same things, discern it before God. But what I want you to do is to know that I feel like it has a little bit more punch than just a typical and maybe, maybe not situation. Now these other ones with high risk is where it gets tricky. I want to give you an example of what I mean by it. High risk, low certainty. Now let me, let me give you something with a lot of risk to it. You're going to get pregnant on such and such date. Whoa. What if you're wrong? There is a lot of damage that can take place by saying something like that. And so this is, this is what I think. If it's high risk and low certainty, just don't say it. Pray over it. Ask God to clarify it. Don't, you don't need to be handing that to anyone if you're not even close to sure that this is something that you should say. So let's not say it because there's a lot of fallout that can take place if you were to say this and you were wrong. So you ask for confirmation. Ask God to affirm it. Moves, uh, ask him to, to maybe make it clear that, you, uh, like, God, do I need to be more certain? So move me further down the scale in certainty if you actually want me to say this. But as it is, God, I can't venture into that waters. It's going to hurt too bad if I'm wrong, all right? Is this unfaithful is often the question. Maybe, but I just don't think it's worth the damage possible. I think you're likely to get hurt. Now, now move into an even harder one to discern. High risk, high certainty. This is still for me a might say it. I may or may not do it. I'm going to discern it with a community of people. I'm going to go to people that know me well and, and kind of have that conversation. Hey, I think God told me to say, say this to someone. It's got a lot of risk, right? A, a life-altering decision that you should move in this decision, this move, uh, go in that direction, whatever it is. But if it has a lot of risk, I'm going to hold this with a lot uh, less um, uh, authority in a, in a way that would cause myself to say, God, I need a lot of confirmation if I'm going to actually say this. Now, it doesn't mean I don't say it, but I'm going to look for a lot of confirmation. So it needs to be heavily discerned before you speak something like that. Now, here are some common questions that tend to arise from this. And again, this is like I've been writing on this subject for a while, and so I've been trying to kind of figure out ways to put handles for people to use it. Almost always, it never fits that cleanly into any of this, right? It's not always going to be a, yeah, obviously low certainty, obviously high risk. I'm not going to say it. They're not going to fit that cleanly. And so one of the questions there is, what if it doesn't fit as cleanly into it? I don't think it mostly, for the most part, will. 
But this gives you some framework. It gives you some way of processing, some way of having a level of discernment, a, a tool of discernment in your pocket that you can pull out and say, I'm going to use it like this for this purpose at this time. All right? So I don't think it's going to be that easy or as easy as what I just said. But at least you have some kind of framework to operate. The second thing is if God told you to say it, you have to say it, right? What if you, like, man, you're unfaithful. If God said to do it, you have to do it. Maybe, maybe I lack faith. And, and certainly I can, I can operate that way. But I always have to remind myself, God is perfect, not me. And so does God, let me use the same, the same thing. Does God at times allow people who were not able to have kids eventually have kids? Yes, we see it in the scriptures. It's scriptural. That doesn't mean it's going to be applied in this situation. And so once again, just recognize you're, you're not infallible. God is. All right? And so hold that with a level of openness that doesn't hurt somebody in the midst of it. Now, a couple of observations, and this is, this is all I have. I want to um, kind of pray over us and ask God to continue to pour this out on us. You don't have to attach everything to God. Sometimes you just say it, and if God's behind it, it will catch. Right? Sometimes I'll just use the language of a picture I saw or a word that I saw or heard, and I will just, in conversation, throw it out there and then kind of wait to see if it does something. Sometimes you want someone to know that you had that weight of God asked me to say this, and so you spiritually discern it and you use that. I'll often distinguish, if you talk to me, I will be in a situation where I'll say, this part is from God, this thing over here is not. This is me just trying to make sense of it. And so I'll try to be very clear, this is, this is God, this is not from God as I give this information out. It doesn't mean you can't say it, it simply means that you sow this word out like an image or a picture so that you can allow the, the soil to take it in and the Holy Spirit to water that thing. And if it bears fruit, it bears fruit, it was from God. Now, now I'll, I'll say this um, because I want to give us permission and pray over us. Uh, you don't always speak everything God tells you. Sometimes it's just for you to pray. Sometimes it's just for you to know. Um, sometimes it's just for you to hold on to. Today, what I want to do is um, kind of recognize two parts here. Uh, I want to give permission to us here who have this gift to begin sowing it out. Use the filters we just talked about, right? Have some caveats, some boundaries by which you hold these things, but practice it. Know that sometimes you're going to be wrong, and we just need to be okay discerning on both sides together about this. It's a gift that we need to exercise and practice. Test what you hear. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I have something I feel like God's trying to tell me to tell you, then test it. Go to the scriptures. Ask the same questions on the other side. I don't know. Does God do this? Does this tend to be something God does? Often what we'll find out is that God is already prepping that person's heart to receive what it is that you have to say. And I want to ask you just to continue to discover your gifts through practicing, through taking surveys, through community and asking people. Come to our next encounter in God night. That's the reason we have it. We're making room. We're making space. They're not heavily attended, so don't get too worried. But what I want to do is make space for us to stop and say, uh, this is where it's okay to stop and ask God for a word, for a picture, and to proclaim it over each other. And just know that this is a space where we're practicing, all right, before we get out up here. Make room for that. So we'll have one coming up. Um, I didn't plan it, but the end of this series lands on Pentecost. So who knows what could happen at the end of this series on Sunday. Um, we'll see what happens. But I, what I want us to do here, and, and, and here we go, um, I want us to have access with, the, we have the mind of Christ. So we have to assume that our imaginations are different than they were without Christ. 
We have to assume that when pictures come to our mind, it's possible he could be invigorating, animating something, giving us a word, giving us uh, some sort of impartation that he might have from us. As long as it agrees with the scriptures, I want us to move on those things because it can supersede wisdom, help us have breakthrough, get us through a moment where we've struggled, be the right thing that we need to hear to know that God cares for me, get us to, into an awareness that there is an afterlife if you're questioning whether that's true or not true. This is all of what we have at our disposal. And I want to give this one last story in closing because I think this happened at Common Ground Northeast a few weeks ago. Do you all remember I had someone come up here named Carter say something to our congregation? Carter's in the room. I can point him out. (laughs) This is what happened. We were praying. We were lifting up God Uh, Jonathan was leading, and he did something kind of out of the ordinary, asking us to move 10 feet from where we're at. And it was kind of like, I don't know what that's going to do, but it shook us up just enough. He introduced a new song that some of you have heard, but for the most part, we hadn't sung here, and it was loud. The Spirit was doing something in here. There was something catching just right. And during the sermon, uh, we, we, we had a quick moment where Pastor Ken stopped and said he felt like he needed to address something dealing with his family and to pray for families inside of this place. Now, what you don't know is earlier that week, we had a conversation where he's like, man, I don't know if it, it doesn't quite go in the flow, but I feel like maybe God wants me to have this little part in. And it gives a little bit of background of who I am for people to get to know me. This is my family. You all remember this sermon. It's a few weeks ago. So he stops, introduces his family, prays over families in the room that maybe struggle with where their kids are at. Then Jonathan starts leading us in worship, stirring up the Holy Spirit in this moment. And I'm standing back there and Carter comes up to me and says, man, I think, very humbly, I think I have a word to declare over the congregation. To which I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't know. I didn't say anything, and it was probably awkward for him as it was for me. I just stopped and in my head said, Holy Spirit, is this something you want us to do? And then I realized I didn't say anything. I'm like, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, Carter. Hold on. Then I start listening. And this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say. Kind of like, what are you talking about, man? This is the word. You've been praying for this. What do you mean, is it okay? You have literally been praying for this, and now I'm doing it. So I'm like, all right, Jesus. I said, well, Carter, tell me kind of what you're going to say. He gave me a little bit of it. We bring him up here, and I gave him the stage. It's not normal for our congregation. We'd never done that before, not since I've been here. And he proclaimed a very specific thing. I I, I won't quote it exactly right, but it was something along the lines of God is preparing the fattened calf because prodigals are going to begin coming home. He highlighted a part of the sermon So we already knew it was kind of the direction of partly what was going on. Ken listened to the Holy Spirit back there. Carter listened to the Holy Spirit. The whole thing was a discernment process. He used scripture in the declaration, and it was a graphic representation of what Pastor Ken had preached. It was a beautiful moment for our church then. And here's the ending. The next week, I find out there was a woman who came to our church who used to go to Common Ground, one of the Common Ground campuses. She was on her way to a different church, felt the Holy Spirit, said, stop here, you're going to Common Ground Northeast. She sits in our service. This part that Ken says, in particular, is meaningful for something going on in her life. The part that Ken spoke profoundly impacted her, something she needed to hear, something that the Holy Spirit wanted to speak. It was an anointing of the Spirit that was just dripping. Maybe some of you needed to hear what Ken had preached over that, but then 
Carter comes in and just pours syrup all over the pancakes with that final situation. Do you see how powerful that is? There was a teaching gift at work, an attentive ear to the Holy Spirit. There was an exhortation gift at work as Jonathan led a leading gift with an attentive ear. I'm stopping as a teacher to pray and ask God what's going on. This gift of knowledge was being presented because Carter had an attentive ear to the Spirit and someone needed to hear from the Holy Spirit that morning, and they did. And so catch this, it sounds a lot like last week's verse. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So let's come in with our gifts. Let's discern them together. And if the Holy Spirit's in alignment, something crazy is going to happen. I mean that in a good way. And so common ground, let's come ready. Let's raise our expectations. Let's hear. Let's listen. Let's expect greater things than we've had even in our past. That the better days are still to come. We've got some glory days behind us, but better days are possible in front of us. And my encouragement to you is let's come to the table hungry and expecting that the living God just might show up on Sunday morning, just might show up in your house churches, just might show up in your personal lives and inside of your homes. Wherever we're scattered and gathered, that we would bear witness to the power of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing at Common Ground Northeast, even unexpected things, Lord. Fill us, Holy Spirit, as we sing these last words, God, and then we commune together over a meal uh, together. Lord, would you, allow you, would you allow the salt and pepper of your spirit just to be proclaimed in the conversations at tables and as we're getting our food and as the kids are playing and laughing and hanging out and as we're all in one accord together, Lord, those who are new, those who have been around for a long time, those who are jumping into new roles of leadership, those who are stepping back from roles of leadership, God, Holy Spirit, Spirit, bring us together. Many gifts, one spirit, but we want to see the power of that proclaimed, and we want to see, Lord, a higher expectation of your people in this congregation that you will show up, that it's just normal. It's weird if you don't. So fan us into flame, Lord. We ask for this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.